if you will turn me to 1 John chapter 1, please. I had a message prepared. And then at midnight, God decided that he wanted to change it. <clears throat> and so I agreed. And so you're getting the updated version. It has nothing to do with the one that I prepared. So it's not really updated. It's just new. Well, it does have one scripture that's in there. First John chapter one, verse five. This is a message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And then if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, please. But in 1 John chapter 1, and actually the whole book, I, want, I shared this last week, but I want to make sure that we understand this. He is not writing to the world, to the unsaved. He's writing to the church. He's writing to those who are saved, to believers. And that's the part of the instruction that he gives us. Okay? It's important to understand that because we can just kind of gloss over this and think he's talking about people that need to be saved. No, he's talking about people who are saved, who are not walking in the light, who are walking in sin. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This world needs the light of God. The love, the goodness, the kindness, the mercies, the grace of God. And if we believers cannot show the light to them and be the light to them, the world has nowhere else to turn to for them to find God's light, to find God's healing. God does not have a plan A for His light to be distributed. It's going to be distributed by His people one way or another. And if it's not by you, then it'll be by somebody else who is a believer, who has decided to press into God, who has decided that it is important to become more and more like God so that the light of Christ would shine forth in this world. And so... It's not a matter of, is God going to turn to plan B? It's really a matter of, are we going to agree with the plan that God has? Are we going to agree with plan A of God and walk according to His ways and according to His purposes? And I'm not sure that we understand this fully. I'm not sure that we get it completely. We have to understand that there are people hurting out there. They're looking for an answer. 
They are looking for help. They are looking for healing. And if we can't give it to them, then where else are they going to go to find that relief and to find that healing? There's nowhere else for them to go. If we are living in darkness ourselves as believers and not living in the light, and we have that choice, that's what 1 John was all about. And so, if we're not living in the light, then we're living according to our own desires. We're following after what we think is right. When it is indeed wrong in God's eyes, then where is the world going to turn to for their help, for their healing? If we're not going to do that, then where are they going to be able to find it? We all have hurts. We all have pain. We all have disappointments because we all come from dysfunctional families. And it started with Adam and Eve. If you think your parents were the first ones who were dysfunctional, you're wrong. They just may be more dysfunctional than others. But we are all faced with that dysfunction and, and everything that comes with the dysfunction. But the only real answer is a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we don't have it for ourselves, then we cannot give it to the world. And we cannot take our hurt and our pain and our frustrations and our disappointments. We can't take them and cause them to be an excuse for us to become like the world. Which I think many are. We use it as an excuse for us to participate in more evil and sin. And then we think that it's going to soothe us, but it really doesn't. We're at a place where the world is calling good evil and evil good. And we wonder how they got there. I'll tell you how they got there. The church has not been the light that it's supposed to be. We might be a light, but we're not shining very brightly. Now, if you've been here for any length of time, you know that I am a process kind of guy. In my mind, I think very methodical. I think if you start at A and you want to get to Z, then go to B and C and D and E and all the rest. And you will get there. I don't think that's hard. I don't think it's too much to ask. But some of you don't want to go A, B, C. You want to go A, M, F, T. And that's okay. That's your problem. I mean, that's your prerogative. I, I'm very methodical. I, I think there's a process. But I also understand God has a process as well. Now, He's all of it, but... You know, he gives us just one main thing that works with us, one or two. So, but God's process to lead us to his love and goodness and kindness, that's what his desire is. That's what he's always moving us in the direction of.
that we would come closer to Him, that we would experience His love and kindness and goodness and peace and joy and everything else that there is that He offers us. But we also have to understand that the enemy has a process as well. But at the end of his process is not love and joy and peace and life, but it's sin, it's pain, it's heartache, it's death. In James chapter 1, if you'll turn with me there please, James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, we're going to look at the process that the enemy takes us through to bring us to death. Now, the reason that James can do this is because the enemy hasn't changed his tactic because we haven't become smart. As we read this, I want you to think about Genesis chapter 3 and the fall and see if you see this in there. We will go there temporarily in a minute. But just think about this. I want you to see this. James chapter 1 starting in verse 13. Here's the enemy's process to kill us. James 1.13 Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And He Himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when, everybody say when, he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so here's his process. Step number one, we are tempted. Okay. So then the next question is, is when are we tempted? This is step number two. When we are lured and enticed. So we're tempted when we are lured and enticed. So then we have to ask ourselves, when are we lured and enticed? That's step number three. By our own desire. That's what he says, right? But each person is tempted, verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Stay in James. I'm going to read Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, everybody say good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes. If I say delight. And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. If I say desired. To make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was there, who was with her. And he ate. What did she do? She was lured and enticed by her own desires. 
just the same way we are. She looked and she saw with her own understanding. She looked at everything in the natural. And it became a delight to her. And she convinced herself that it would make her look wise. So it's her own desire that helped lure her and entice her away from the truth. Now, the sad thing is, is the complete opposite happened to her, and it always does. We have our hurts, and we try to bring relief in our own efforts. All we think about is getting help, and whatever makes us feel the best at the moment is what we begin to think on. And as we begin to think on them, we... we think that, well, this pain is so great that I want to find that relief. And so we start thinking on things that aren't true, that aren't biblical, that aren't godly, that don't come from God. And so at this point, we begin to turn away from God. We begin to turn away from His Word. We stop listening to the Holy Spirit's instructions for our lives, and what we are thinking on is wrong and contrary to God, but we keep thinking on it because we keep thinking that it's going to bring the relief and the healing that we so long for. There's no good time to put this into the message. So I'll just put it in now because it does relate to James. I have had plenty of people come to me who are believers, who are doing the wrong thing, who are living in sin, who are committing sin, and then they try to convince me that it's God who is leading them. Now, I know you guys find that hard to believe, but trust me, it's happened. There are people who, when we get into sin, we justify our actions. And, and we have rationalized in our minds because we've been thinking about other things, and we've been thinking about the hurt and the pain and the disappointment, and everything that comes with the dysfunction. We've been thinking about that so much, and we're looking for some kind of relief that we start thinking the wrong things, and then we try to convince ourselves and justify ourselves, and so we say, Well, God led me to this. No, James says it's impossible for you to be tempted by God, so it's not God who is leading you, it's you who are leading you. It's your own desires causing you to go and sin. You're trying to medicate the hurt and the pain in your life and it's not working. Step four. So we've been tempted. But we've been lured and enticed by our own desires. Okay? Then number four is that those evil desires that we have thought on, they take hold in us. And number five, we have conceived them and we have justified them. It's amazing to me. 
how people are, how we are. We've all done this. We want to do something so bad that we can justify in our own minds, biblically, why we're going to do it even though it's contrary to the Word of God. But it becomes, it's, it's, it's been birthed in us. It's, it's been conceived in us. And it's, we're, we're meditating on it. We're thinking on it all the time. And, it, and, as, and that's step number six, that we continue to meditate on them and bringing us into stronger justification. And then we give birth to sin. And we take the full plunge into what is wrong. And in the natural, after conception, takes a little more than nine months to give birth. But you know, that's not the way it is in the spiritual realm. You don't have to wait nine months to get the results. It may even take longer than nine months. You may be thinking you're getting away with it, but you're not. But it also may come much faster as well. And then according to James, step number seven is sin fully grows in us and what used to be hidden, everyone sees. Now it's out in the open. Either God brings it out in the open or we are so bold in our own sin that we bring it out in the open. And then the last step is, it says, when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. This is all true because continued unrepentant sin separates us from God and from our spiritual source of life, which is God. It's just like I've shared before about the tree. You pull a tree up out of the ground and you lay it on its side. You remove it from its source of nutrient and life. It's going to die. When we do the same thing, when we engage in sin and we continue in it, we're unrepentant of it, then we're separating ourselves from the from God and the source of life that He brings. It cuts us off from all that God has for us that brings hope and healing. And when we become separated from God, then we begin to separate ourselves from not only God, but godly things and godly people. We begin to withdraw. You want to know if you're walking in sin, then just check your closest relationships. See how close or how distant you are in them. Jesus spoke of the process that the enemy uses too in John 10.10. And you can turn there if you want, but this is probably very familiar with you. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Here's the problem with that scripture. We don't believe it. We don't believe it. We don't understand that the enemy's 
only purpose is to steal and kill and destroy you. He doesn't care one bit about your feelings. He doesn't care about the hurt and the pain and the frustration and the disappointment. He doesn't care anything about that. All he's after. He's focused on one thing for your life. To steal from you, to kill from you, and to destroy you. That's it. And if you're blessed enough to get married, then he's going to try and steal your marriage, kill your marriage, and destroy your marriage. And if you're blessed to have children, then he's going to try and destroy them, kill them. That's his only purpose. And we act like he's no big deal. This is the only thing that he's focused on when he thinks about you, whether you're a believer or a non-believer. He doesn't care. It doesn't matter how enticing it is, what beautiful picture the enemy paints, how smooth the talking is, it's all going to result in him stealing and killing and destroying us. You see, we look at that scripture out of John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And we read it like that, and then we say, but I'm the exception. We say to ourselves, I am the exception to sin and the death that will result from my sin. And here's the problem. At first, it may seem as if you are the exception. Some of us think Adam's pretty dumb, but he was actually pretty smart, if you think about it. Because the word of the Lord to him was, as soon as you eat from that, you're going to die. So what did he do? Hey, honey, you want to eat of that? And it says she took and she ate. And you know what? She didn't die right away. So he's thinking, oh, there might be an exception to this. Maybe God wasn't telling me the truth. And so when the enemy comes to us, he lures us around and he entices us by our own desires. And then we see other people engaging in that and we see them living life. They haven't died. And so we think, oh, well, if they can get away with it, maybe I can get away with it. You don't even have to say amen today. I know I'm preaching good. We are not an exception to the stealing, killing, and destroying when we give ourselves to sin. We are only setting ourselves up for more hurt, pain, and disappointment. Look at the condition that the world is in. And again, I want to suppose that I think part of the reason that the world is like it is is because the church is like it is. And we're not the light. You see, the world is looking for help. The world is looking for an answer. 
the world is looking for a way to relieve the pain that is in people's lives. And since we're not offering the hope and the healing, then they have to turn back to the world that already has hurt them. And so they just stay in the cycle of trading one pain for another pain. And so what the world has done then is played a little trick on everybody and says, well, we'll just redefine how things really are. We'll redefine it. You'll still have the hurt and the pain. There'll still be the stealing and the killing and the destroying, but we'll just redefine it. Look at the struggles that we're having with gender identity and race and marriage and family. All they're doing is redefining the same thing that caused us all this hurt and pain. And we're thinking, oh, this is such a new way of looking at life. But in the end, it steals and kills and destroys. The only relief is to be found in Jesus, to be born again, and then to walk with God every day of our lives in the newness that He offers us. I want to close, if you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, I cannot tell you how many times I've read this, but I was shocked. But I read it today. I was shocked what God says about this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Verse 13, Therefore, everybody say therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And what do we do? I don't want to put that armor on. I don't need it. I can do it myself. We're lured and enticed away by our own desires. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, not the belt of your opinion, not the belt of the truth of this world, but the truth of God. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, everybody say all circumstances, 
That means when you are being tempted, when you are being lured away and you are being enticed by your own desires, this is one of those circumstances that he's talking about. Listen to this. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Why? Why is the shield of faith so important? You see, and, and what is hard with this is faith isn't always seen. Faith is dependent upon God. It's dependent upon a relationship with God. And when our relationship with God is weak, then we don't have a shield of faith to, to hold up, to protect us. Because listen to what the shield of faith does, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So the shield of faith is for us so that when the enemy comes and he starts lying to us and he starts luring us away and he starts enticing us and we start thinking about that beautiful picture of that woman that's on the bottle. And we think, oh, well, if I get her when I start drinking, then let's drink some more. Well, the problem is she never appears and the devil just appears. But see, we start thinking about all these things and we start trying to rationalize why we're weak in our faith. Why we don't have a shield of faith to lift up. And then we can't extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. We're lost. We're hopeless. Our light isn't shining when our faith isn't strong enough. When we haven't developed it because faith is dependent on a relationship with God. And so if we are weak in our relationship with God, guess what? You are weak in your faith and you do not have a shield of faith to lift up. And so when the enemy comes, you just fall for it. Verse 17, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. And also for me, that the word may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. I love that. Paul is saying all of this and then he's like... And pray for me because I want to be able to speak and I want to declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He's not a Mickey Mouse type person here. He wants to speak boldly and clearly and confidently. And this is what we are called to and this is what we can do and must do. We have the power to stand up against the evil of our days no matter how bad we think these days are and they are bad. But we have the power. We can have the faith to stand against it. We need to build up and lift up our shield of faith so that we can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And this morning I want to challenge you to look deep into your hearts and minds and Clean out anything that is not of God and let His blood wash over you and cleanse you like 1 John says. The way we become the light of the world is to walk with the light of the world, Jesus Christ.
you'll stand with me, please. Do we want to come? If we can have the singers and musicians. Last week we sang a song about drawing close to God, so close that we feel His heartbeat. And I pray that that would be our, our desire this morning. That we draw so close to God that we feel His heartbeat. We feel the love that He has for all of mankind. And we purpose to become all that He has called us to be so that others can find real and true relief and healing from this world. That we do provide for them a way out. And His name is Jesus. We need to be heading in that direction. I want to read something before we sing. This is from the month at a, at a glance. And we had it in the back of your bulletin last week. But in here it talks about key features. And it says, this is, the, is a month to consider your alignments. The Jews could have partnered with God and taken the land that He had promised them, but instead they chose the voice of fear and suffered the consequences of wandering 40 years in the wilderness. Partnerships are powerful, and this can help you or hinder you. Pay attention to who you choose to listen to, who, who you choose to follow, and who you choose to take action with so that you can avoid any negative associations and enjoy the benefits of positive partnerships. There's no greater person to partner with than God. And if He's not enough for you, find somebody that has already partnered with Him. And stick with them. Partner with them as well. Go ahead. This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart. I worship you, worship you. Lord, with all my 
worship you, worship you. All I have within me, I give you praise. All that I adore is in you, it's in you. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. Every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. I live for you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm Lord, that's our prayer this morning. We give you our hearts. We give you our soul. Father, we want to live for you alone. May every breath that we take, every moment that we're awake, Lord, may you have your way in us. Let it be our desire, Father, to honor you. To worship you with all of our heart, Lord. To give you praise. To adore you all of our lives, Father. Lord, that we would be the light that you've called us to be. That we would be able to give hope and healing and help to those who need it. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. All right. Go build your faith. Have a great week in the Lord.